Hey everyone, welcome to Locked on Lakers for Thursday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. The Lakers home opener is tonight against the hated Los Angeles Clippers. We'll preview that game with Darian Vaziri, host of Locked on Clippers. That's next on Locked on Lakers. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to everybody for making Locked On Lakers or Locked On Clippers your first listen of every day. Although slight judgment if it's the Locked On Clippers podcast before ours, but the, you know the the, the you know uh, Darian probably appreciates that you making Locked On Clippers your first listen of every day. Either way, make the other one your second listen of every day. Um, really excited! It is opening night uh, for the Clips. It is. A uh, home opener for the Lakers. It is uh, 7 o'clock, a TNT game, and we are here to talk about it. First time doing a crossover episode with uh, Locked on Lakers and Locked on Clippers with Darian Vaziri. You know him as Dime Dropper Lakers fans on uh, YouTube and on uh, Twitter. Good to meet you, man. Nice to meet you guys as well. This is exciting. My first time doing a crossover episode with another Locked on channel, and of course, our friends next door. So excited to be here and excited to do this. It is a strange time, <laughs> I think. Um, you know, th this rivalry, so to speak, has never really lined up um, particularly well. And it doesn't look like it's lining up very well this year either, based on opening night for the Lakers. Um, did you catch? That 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 Warriors uh, matchup there, Darian. Uh, any are you any more or less concerned about tonight's game from a Clippers perspective? Well, I caught all of it, and I'd say there were two feelings that came through my mind. One, the Lakers. I don't know if they could play worse than. I mean, they didn't play terribly, but I think they can definitely play better. And in front of the home crowd, especially coming off a loss like that, I think there's a chance that they play a lot better and play with a little more hunger. But then there's also part of me that says. Man, the Clippers are just a great matchup for these guys. I mean, since Ty Lue has been our coach, we haven't lost to the Lakers. Uh, the Clippers haven't lost to the Lakers once. And the versatility that the Clippers have and ability to switch everything, which you saw a little bit of that last night with the Warriors versus the Lakers, you know, still figuring it out defensively and playing a lot of the pick and roll straight up and relying on AD for a lot. I think the Clippers are going to be able to have a field day if they just knock down shots and play the way I think they can play. But we've seen crazier things, so – you just never know. Yeah, how how have actually the Clippers been looking so far? Like, because they're 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 an interesting team in that they are one of the consensus favorites. Like among, I think you're talking, I would say they are after Golden State. I think most people either have them, you know, as the second best team. Some people have them as you know winning the conference. Right. I, I was going to say one of the consensus uh, teams to win the championship. Not okay. To come yeah. Out of the West. Sure. But um, you know they're they're in like the top handful of, of like most respected, I think considered elite teams in the league. But they're like the Lakers in the sense that they have a lot of question marks about what they are. You know, at full capacity, they've got a lot of health questions themselves. This preseason would have been, I guess, so far your impressions of Kawhi when he's been out there, because you know, I mean, that's ultimately the biggest question mark with these guys. Well, he played two games, uh, one against the Portland Trailblazers and the other one against Minnesota, and he only played the first half of those games. 
but he looked more encouraging than I expected him to look because the first game he was being very aggressive. He got eight shots up and he was really take, trying to take advantage of smaller guys when they were switched onto him and really go one-on-one, which was showing me that he was trying to show people that he's still Kawhi Leonard. And then the second game against Minnesota, he was four for eight. You saw him have a nice dunk. You saw him hit the patented turnaround over Anthony Edwards. So I'm actually very encouraged with what I'm seeing from him. The question is how many minutes is he going to get against the Lakers in the first game? I don't know. if he, I would be very surprised if he got over 30 personally. Kylie just said there's no injuries to report. I mean, hearing that for a Clipper fan is is a, an amazing thing. What about John Wall? Because that, you know, I mean, he's obviously missed like, you know, a couple of years essentially worth of basketball. He was connected to the Lakers last season. The reported opportunity that they had to uh, trade for him at the break, they didn't do it. Uh, LeBron dropped some not so subtle disappointment in that. But I know Brian and I both felt like that could have been a really risky, could have been a risky use of the Lakers' limited assets, given he hasn't been seen on a court in a while. What have been your impressions of Wall? So going into the preseason, I was team Reggie should start over Wall for the fit purposes, and because Reggie's become kind of a cult hero here in Clipperland. But John Wall, he's obviously been an all-star caliber player. And even though he's not at that level anymore, if he's anything close to it, he's definitely better than Reggie Jackson. And he really impressed me in the preseason. There was one game, I think it was the Minnesota game, 20 points in 21 minutes. He still looks like the fastest player on the Clippers off the dribble. He can get into the paint with ease. And I would not be surprised if he had a big game tomorrow. He still has that John Wall kind of swagger and confidence about him, and it looks like he's actually improved his catch-and-shoot jump shot. But at the same time, it's preseason, so we'll see how he looks against uh, the Lakers. But I'm excited. It's funny, Andy, despite the fact the Lakers have all these undersized guards and stuff like that, I kind of wish, you know, like at the very least, you know, as a as a as an off-season addition, as a free agent addition, I wouldn't have minded. I mean, they just – they have too many guys, but like, I, I still, you know, you look at what happened yesterday and it's not like John Wall solves your, your, your shooting problems. But I, the thing that, that really disturbed me um, in watching the game, the opener on Wednesday. And I think that is the contrast, at least on paper, um, Darian with the Clippers is the Lakers just didn't get enough from the sporting cast. The Clippers have a, a similar question. Who's their be- third best player? Is it Reggie Jackson? Is it John Wall? Is it Marcus Morris? Like, you know, like who is the next guy after the two best players? But there is not nearly as much concern over like the quality of the supporting cast and the and the and the ability for Ty Lu to kind of put together stuff, at least in the regular season that gives them a ton of options and they've got a lot of good players to work with. And, you know, it's, it, there aren't necessarily, there's no third superstar, but there, there aren't a lot of holes. So like when you, when you look at that supporting cast and you compare it to what the Lakers are going to throw out there uh, Thursday night, what, where, where do you see the Clippers? I assume having the biggest advantages. Well, I'm like thinking about who's going to be guarding Paul George and Kawhi Leonard because the way you guys were playing or Lakers were playing defense was they weren't switching any of the screens. They were kind of trying to play the pick and rolls straight up with Anthony Davis dropping. And if they do that, that means the guy that's guarding 
whoever's guarding Kawhi or Paul George needs to fight over the screen. And to me, you guys don't have any wings that can really deter them coming over screens. I mean, Anthony Davis, again, is just going to have to be there. Darren, let me stop you quickly. We don't have any wings. Forget in any direction, over yeah. or under or anything. They just don't have any. I mean, the, the wings on this team, their ability to navigate screens is the least of the Lakers' concern. They need to surface first. Yeah, I think just thinking about tomorrow, if the you think guys think the Lakers are going to play the same starting five? That's an interesting question that we'll tackle next. Locked on Lakers and locked on Clippers. Locked, both locked, locked on everything. By, yeah. <laughs> both brought to you by Bet Online, betonline.net, your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs, sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts. Bet Online, your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores, the fastest, easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, golf, but of course, the NBA, the Clippers, five-and-a-half-point favorites in tonight's game against the Lakers. Uh, feels generous towards the Clippers. Um, also, they are third in the league currently, according to our friends at Bet Online, at 7-1 to one to win the championship. Lakers at 20-1. to one. Russell Westbrook getting 3-1 to one odds as the first star player to request a trade just a hair behind Kevin Durant at two and a half to one. You just can't keep those crazy kids apart. As we said, Andy, I don't think he needs to request it. And Darian, nobody from the Clippers is getting odds at all because everybody on your team is just so damn happy. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device. Learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. I also I forgot to mention when I was talking about the you know the guys you know it's Norman Powell it's you know Terrence Mann who you know. Little bit disappointing last year, but certainly has a lot of potential. And you know, zoo and and there, there's a lot of talent up and down the Clippers roster. Nick um, Batum was reborn, yes. Um, but you asked about the starting lineup. This was something that Andy and I talked about a lot after Wednesday's game because I think Lakers fans were hoping Westbrook would come off the bench. Um, I think it, it, at this point, it certainly makes sense for him to come off the bench. Um, there, there was at least some indication that Ham likes him in the starting lineup. He talked about wanting to play aggressively and you know and be in attack mode from the beginning. At the same time, he also mentioned, "quote This is what we have," um, <laughs> so which isn't necessarily a ringing endorsement of Westbrook. I, I, I Andy, what do you think? Is I, I do think they'll tweak it. I just don't know if they'll tweak it with Westbrook on the bench i was not even i don't think russ is going to be demoted or put on the bench i was asking more about you think they'll replace lonnie walker or patrick beverly with somebody because i think anthony davis lebron and russ are going to be locks for tomorrow it's the other two guys i was kind of thinking. i i i would consider moving pat bev only i i i can see this two ways he pat bev was terrible on the in the opener it was just god awful um so on the one hand you want to get him back in the lineup you know you just throw him back out there and and get it going on the other hand the energy that and you can maybe you know as a as a close watcher of the clippers oh, man. the energy that that pat bev is going to bring to this game is going to be off the charts in some direction and i'm not entirely sure what it's going to look like um he was terrible on Wednesday. What do you? What would you expect as a longtime Pat Bev observer um, 
because the Lakers can't deal with that kind of performance. They need better performances from the supporting cast. You know, I'm ho- I hope I'm wrong, but there's no way he can play worse than that. And plus, he's playing against the Clippers. And you saw the way he reacted in Minnesota. And now that he's at the, on the Lakers side. And one thing about Patrick Beverly is he will embrace every team he's on to the fullest. And now he's going to act like he's been on the Lakers for 20 years, like he's bleeding <laughs> like he's Derek Fisher or something. And he's going to come out there raw, raw, going nuts to try to agitate some of the Clipper players. I think it would be a poor decision to put him on the bench tomorrow because it's going to be one per. If there's one person that's going to be super charged up for this one, it's going to be Pat Bev. But having Lonnie Walker as the third tallest guy out there was a little questionable. I saw him as more of a sixth man, kind of replacing Malik Monk's role with the Lakers. What did you guys think of that decision? I I think in part they're looking for Lonnie's athleticism in the starting lineup. You know the just another score that can be out there and take a little bit of that uh, load off LeBron and AD. But also, given, like we talked about before, the Lakers don't have any real wing options, particularly with Troy Brown Jr. still hurt. I mean, you you could play Juan Descano Anderson, but he's not like a real option as like a 25 to 30 minute uh, night guy. I mean, that's just not, the, the returns will likely be diminishing. I think with Walker, the hope is, between his athleticism and his length, he can make up for the lack of height in some of these matchups. You know, you could maybe see Austin Reeves out there as the three, but the truth is he's going to get overpowered in a lot of those matchups too. I mean, the, the problem the Lakers really have, you know, the Clippers have like six or seven legit playable NBA wings. Literally. The Lakers don't have any. No, I, <laughs> at that le- not at that level. They don't have I'm wondering even, Andy, Clippers, if this is one of those games where you start Damian Jones, where you put him in the lineup just to compensate a little bit for that because you don't have the, the ability to to match up. You don't want, you know, you don't want LeBron having to like, you know, do you, if if you who guards Zubots? Like, you know, it's like how do you arrange things if you don't put a center out on the floor? Um, it just, you know, th- this is what I was sort of talking about on Wednesday, like the Warriors with Kevon Looney, it's a kind of a different deal. It's not a traditional center like Zubats kind of is like, you know, and you need to pay attention to him. You can't just ignore him. So if you, if you are doing that, then, you know, maybe I guess AD can guard him and then you put LeBron on Paul George, but you know, but now, or Kawhi, but now who's guarding Paul George like you there's no good way to do this there may not be no good way to do it anyway now that I'm thinking I'm trying to do the math down in my head there's no good way to do this I think LeBron starts out guarding Marcus Morris and then Pat Bev will try to agitate Paul George but then there's Kawhi Leonard and it depends on how many minutes he gets I'm just so excited to see how Kawhi comes out it's been a year first couple of minutes of the game I can see him missing like his first three shots and everybody overreacting, but he'll ease into the game. I okay, let me but let me ask you this though, uh, Darian, because I this is something that they talked about a lot. Pat Bev as a you know three and D, you know, kind of guarding up sort of whatever. And I understand he's had success. You know, he's guarded KD and he's done all this stuff, and he's an irritant and a pest and all this. How how long do you think in a game that Paul George is playing reasonably well? Do you think that works for the Lakers? How how much can you get away with 
sticking Patrick Beverly on somebody like Paul George? You know, I think you can maybe do it. I think it could work for a game, honestly. But over the course of the season, you'll see that those bigger wings or those six, six, six plus, six, seven guys, Pat Bev, he'll get a couple of steals here and there, but he's either going to really hack them or they're going to just shoot over him. Luka Doncic used to overpower him like crazy. Like he couldn't guard him. And then there have been times where he got, I remember a game last season they played the Clippers, Minnesota did. He got a steal, I think, on Paul George once, but there were other times where he just turned and shot over him, turn around all day long. So he he doesn't he's not the guy to guard wings. And that's one thing I learned with having Patrick Beverly on our team. Speaking of Paul George, and this is something I wanted to ask you about, so it's as good a time as any. Um, he recently talked about how Kawhi Leonard is the number one in terms of the pecking order on this team. He's the number two. He's fine with that. There are no egos in play. And in terms of team harmony, like broadly speaking, that's great that Paul George seems sincerely cool with that. And it's not an issue. That being said, though, my observation of Paul George is even though I don't think he is truly good enough to be the number one option on an elite contending team, he's a He's a really good player. I think Paul George. How far George are we is, talking elite contending, though? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not looking for Paul George slander. Like, I actually think he's really, really good. But you know, there's only a handful of players in the league that are that good, and I don't think Paul George is one of them. But I also think he operates best when he's asked to be that number one. Like when he's forced to, either forced to, or the way the roster is constructed, he's the number one. I think that actually brings out the best in him as opposed to when he tries to sort of supplement his game with somebody else that's the number one. A, do you agree with that? And B, if you do agree, how do you think the Clippers should best go about getting the most out of George? I think I used to agree with that after the first season that they were together. But then with Ty Lue came, you saw, I mean, it kind of felt 1A, 1B, but it did feel like Kawhi was the true one. And in the playoffs, I mean – 2-2 two, two against the Utah Jazz. Both of them are having really good playoffs overall. There were no bad hiccups for Paul George really that year in the playoffs. And obviously when Kawhi went down, you saw him even play better. But yeah. it's not like he was playing poorly against, against the other teams. I mean, both of them kind of underperformed in those first two games at Utah. But in the games three and four against the Jazz, Clippers smacked him off the floor. So And then against Dallas, they got the job done. Even though it was very nerve-wracking, they got the job done. So the last time we saw those two on the court – we never even got to see the finished article. So I'm not going to doubt that uh, Paul George can be that number two. And I think early on in this season, the first 20 to 30 games, and I've said it on Locked On Clippers a ton, I think Paul George will be our leading scorer. I really do think he'll be the leading scorer because it's going to take Kawhi some time, and I think his minutes will be restricted. How many how many games do you expect from those guys? Because when we did our sort of bold predictions for the for the season, this is obviously – it's a different scale because you know the Lakers and Clippers are – you know, short of something weird from the Lakers competing for very different things, but the the sort of basic concern over bo for both teams is identical. The Lakers have huge injury concerns with LeBron and especially AD, and the Clippers can't handle what happened. You know, with Kawhi and Paul George, they need those guys to play sixty something games and be available for the playoffs. How how many games do you expect from those guys and how confident are you that they'll actually be able to get through the season? 
expect is, is really hard to say because injuries are so unpredictable, but I'm targeting, I've said it over and over, but 60 plus games from each of them at the very least 55 plus games from each of them. If we can get that, especially 60 plus, I mean, I think the Clippers, there's no reason why they shouldn't get 60 wins approximately. Like they've never gotten 60 wins. If there's any Clipper team that can try to do it, it's this one because with Ty Lu, the one thing I really love about him, he's shown that even when both of them are out or even one of them is out, the Clippers can still find a way to win games because they're so deep. They play team basketball and they compete. Ty Lu doesn't – like he, he gets them to compete, and that's the one thing I – the one thing you want to say about the coach is that he gets the most out of his players, and he totally does. Uh, he's a damn good coach. He, he is top. <laughs> five. Easy, top Easy top five. Easy top five in the league. Easy. The he was somebody worth uh, giving Luke Walton money to. Uh, <laughs> if I may be so bold, he was would have been good. I mean, we're both very kick, happy with Darvin and everything, Andy. There was, a, yeah. was Darvin Ham is, is going to be good. What do you, what do you guys think about the number for AD and LeBron though? In that same question. What number did you guys say? 60 plus? Oh, I I think LeBron will play 65 games this year. I I have I cannot say I'm confident about that with AD. I'm just not. Um, I mean it's funny too, because like 65 a few years ago for LeBron doesn't sound like a lot, but A, it is now, but B, like every superstar now, like no star is gonna play seven, 78 games anymore. Speaking of AD. I want to get your thoughts, Darion, on how the Clippers will go about guarding him because he's had a really good preseason when he's been available. He had a really strong first half against the Warriors, and I don't see the natural matchup defensively for the Clippers against AD, but you may think differently. So talk about that next. Darian, um, the Lakers have some matchup issues. You know, again, you mentioned these seven billion wings that the uh, the Clippers can throw at them, and the difficulty the Lakers are going to have figuring out how to match up on that, even to the point of actually needing to deploy that Patrick Beverly plan that uh, Rob Palinka spoke about so eloquently on Media Day. Um, great idea for a six foot one, thirty four year old point guard. But sure, why not? Let's do it. Um, how though? Uh, to Andy's question, how do they guard AD? You know, it's funny, right before you asked that, I was just thinking, there is a matchup problem, kind of, that could be on our side. And Anthony Davis has... Not our given, first day, Darren. Yeah, Anthony Davis has given the Clippers some some problems in the past. I think in the LeBron AD era, it's been him that I've been more annoyed by than LeBron. I think we've done a great job with LeBron in the his time in Los Angeles. But Anthony Davis, when his jumper's falling especially, can be a problem. And then also his ability on defense. That's the way he affects the game so much on both ends, but thinking about it, I'm not sure who the Clippers will start on Anthony Davis. I think Zubats has had some decent moments against him, but there also have been times where AD just has gone by him and gotten the better of him. And I think the Clippers are going to try to go small a lot. That's one thing you're going to see from Ty Lue a lot is small ball with Robert Covington, Marcus Morris, Nico Batum, these guys at the five. And I think Nicholas Batum, Robert Covington are good wings to guard bigs. But again, if they shouldn't be able to guard Anthony Davis. It's all about his aggression and where he's trying to attack from and and how much he's trying to take advantage of his size. Because when AD's aggressive, those guys shouldn't be able to guard him at all. But sometimes we've seen AD be a little timid, and that's where the Clippers – I honestly just double-team him a lot because just make someone else besides LeBron 
uh, hit from the outside. Like, dare you guys to beat us from the outside. That's what I would do. LeBron, same thing with him. When he tries to get to the basket, just make him make the pass because he's going to make the pass and just let these other guys try to hit from the outside. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. Like, I, I would, at the very least, I'd prove, make the Lakers prove they can hit a jump shot. You know, like, Andy, we didn't even get a chance to really talk about this um, for, for Thursday's show, but, like, LeBron, after the game, you know, when you talk about the shooting, uh, Darian, like, he, he was brutally honest. He said, like, we are not built as a good shooting team. Like, we got to keep taking them. We got to keep working on it. You got to believe it. You got to wait. But, like, he, he made no pretense. Like, Anthony Davis is like, oh, yeah, we got a lot of open shots. We'll be okay, whatever. Darvin was talking about LeBron just went straight to, yeah, the team as constructed is not good at shooting. Um, so at the very least, I agree with you. Like, not just the Clippers, but every team just sits down in the paint and waits for the Lakers to make a couple threes. And then I would wait for them to make a couple more before I would even consider, um, you know, trying to get out there and, 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 and risk and, and doing anything other than collapsing on AD and collapsing on LeBron. I mean, the Warriors ran a little bit of zone. I think the Lakers are going to see a lot of teams doing that and just daring them to shoot over it. Yeah, I think there's two optimistic things, though, for, if I'm a Laker fan, I will say. One, if Patrick Beverly actually gets clean, clear-cut looks at three, he will definitely make some. He's not a bad three-point shooter at all. No, he and he was not on the floor Wednesday because he was in constant foul trouble. Yeah, and then his first shot was like a step-back contested one, which was just unnecessary. And then Lonnie Walker is a streaky player. He's going to have games like that, but there's also going to be games where he plays above what you expect from him. And I just hope that he, that's not tomorrow night. Or, I'm sorry, Tuesday night. No, Thursday night. Thursday sorry. night. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's hard when you do these ahead of time, trying to play the game where you, know, you pretend it's the same day. Yeah. It's going to be interesting, though, when you mentioned that idea of like Batum and Covington – getting their cracks at guarding Anthony Davis, it sounds like you anticipate this being a game where Ty Lu really goes deep into his bench, but he's going deep into his bench maybe very specifically about one matchup as opposed to going through his entire bench, which I just find interesting because you guys have a very good bench. Like your your five your six through ten is a legitimately impressive group to throw out there. So it just it takes on the, I, sort of this this double value of what they can do individually, but also how they may be deployed specifically against Anthony Davis. Six through eleven. If you, I think there's going to be eleven players that play tomorrow for the Clippers, and one of them that I think is going to play really well. You, I think Laker fans are going to be really annoyed with him tomorrow. Luke Kennard. He's missed two shots in preseason. He shot 45% from three last year, and he looks like he's gotten even better at shooting the three. And you remember, he made some big shots against the Lakers last season. The yeah. guy's like, well, oh, he's, man. He's that insane. first year, that first year with Kennard with that contract, that looked like it was going to be one of the worst contracts in the league, and then he turned that around quickly. But speaking to that depth, though, with the Clippers, he's the 11th guy with that shooting ability. Like mo most teams would have him as a primary part of the rotation just because he's so automatic from three. The Lakers kept Matt Ryan on the roster to try to be Luke Kennard. Right. I mean, he's, like, he's like a destitute man's Luke Kennard. And, and like, 
it just speaks to the depth that the Clippers have this year. And specifically, too, like that depth of the type of player that every team around the league wants, which is like, you know, 6'6 six, six to 6'9 six, wing. Yeah, I mean, Luke Kennard's a little undersized, though. That's the one thing else. He's like six foot four. Six, yeah, under- six four, six five, something. I'm, I'm terrible at remembering how tall. He'd be like the are. tallest guard he's, on the Lakers. He's listed at six. About? He's listed at six five. Wow. I mean, a damn general. giant on the Lakers. But Terrence, but Terrence, man, those guys. I mean, Norman Powell. I think those guys will play a little bit more. But Ty Lue said that Luke Kennard's not going to be like I kept saying he was going to be the ele- out of those eleven. If everyone's healthy, I think he would be the one that gets the least minutes. But Ty Lue seems like he's just his shooting is just so good that he's not going to be sacrificed at all which excites me it's just he has a tough decision he's got so many good players you know it's funny we were hyping the clippers up so much in this in this episode but if the lakers win tomorrow oh my god well <laughs> look here's the thing like the lakers I, I i andy and i were talking about this on thursday's show like the the to the extent that anybody is even on the lakers bandwagon uh and there it's it's not Super crowded. <laughs> like there, there, there are still good seats available. Andy, would you agree on the Lakers bandwagon? Yes. Like you can get premier seating. People are ready to leap off that thing real quick. Like the reaction from Lakers fans to Wednesday's loss was intense. I had people, you know, texting me over the course of the day. Uh, friends of ours who take this stuff very seriously, who are like, blow it all up, get rid of everyone, you know, you know, figure out like this franchise is a joke. They need to sell the team. I mean, all of it. And if they, if they lose on Thursday and they very well good, that's one thing. If they lose bad, it's, it's going to, the, 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 the mood around them is going to get real dark real fast and the Lakers are going to have to they're going to have to insulate themselves pretty quickly um from from the sort of outside bad juju. Do you feel that works the same way though for the Clippers? I feel like the Clippers have a much longer runway because the expectation is that they'll be good, but Kawhi is going to work his way back in shape and Paul George is, hasn't played a ton and it's you know you got to integrate but ultimately, if they're healthy, they're going to be good. The Lakers don't get that benefit of the doubt. So how much runway do you think the Clippers have? I can tell, Andy, I think you disagree, at least to some degree. Oh, for me? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so, sorry. To, well, I think even if the Lakers lose and lose badly against the Clippers, I still think you have to take a little bit of perspective and look and say they're playing against the two, as you said at the top of the episode, maybe the, fa- the two favorites in the West. You're playing the Portland Trailblazers next. That's going to be a game where the Lakers can get back on track and turn all that negative energy into optimism again. So I don't think even if the clip, if the Lakers lose on Thursday, it's the end of the world, but the Clippers, as you say, you think they have a longer runway, but then you look at the first 10 games from the Clippers after the Lakers and the Sacramento Kings and the Suns, you have two matchups against the Rockets, two against the Thunder, one against the Spurs and another against the Jazz. A lot of people are expecting the Clippers and saying they're going to go nine and one or eight and two. Honestly, and I, I usually tend to be a little unbiased with these things. If the Clippers don't go at least eight and two in their first ten games. I'm going to be really disappointed. The, the schedule is cake. They need to take care of it, and that can build some momentum, even with all that stuff you just said. It's the exact opposite of what the Lakers have. <laughs> Literally, 
It's funny though. Like I, I don't disagree, Darian, with what you're saying in terms of the the opportunity that the Clippers have in front of them, the way their schedule breaks. But the idea of runway, not necessarily this early in the season or based off this game, but just broadly speaking, 5,000-foot view, I actually think in a lot of ways the Clippers have just as much pressure on them, just as much scrutiny, and as maybe as little patience with the Lakers because the Lakers – you know, ripped everything down to the studs, traded away everything to get AD. And they're in a really difficult position right now. And they may not get as much from it as they wanted, but they at least got a championship. The Clippers have never gotten to the finals during this Paul George, Kawhi Leonard era, which they also sacrificed a lot for rightly. And I think the moves they've made are all justifiable, but they're so far in a place where they don't really have anything to show for it at all. It's the first time besides the 2019-20 season that it's been championship or bust here, but even more so this season because not only do you have the coach that you trust as opposed to Glenn Rivers, we didn't. And I think that's one I think that's one thing we can all agree on Laker fans and Clipper fans, Glenn Rivers, we don't I don't say the D not word. Not a real doctor. He's not a not a doctor. When we talk doc in basketball, there's only one. And so I'm going to leave it at that, but there's that level of trust in the head coach and then the supporting cast that fits that the two wings better. You know, Lou Willie, it kind of felt like you're just adding Kawhi Leonard and Paul George to that already 2019 underdog team that played the Warriors. You just subtract Shea Gildas-Alexander and Gallinari. They still had Lou, Patrick Beverly, and, Gal, uh, and Mon, Montrez. But now you have a, a supporting cast that was specifically tailored to Kawhi Leonard and Paul yeah. George, and now it's the third year of a new coach. So – the Clippers, honestly, you have a decent point. They don't really have that much room for error. If even if Kawhi Leonard's working his way back, they got to hit the ground running. I well, think if Clippers go six and four, people are going to be like, uh, "It's kind of weird." They're at an well, easy. Here's schedule. the thing, too. Like you know, again, big picture, Kawhi is only going to get older and potentially more fragile. Paul George is only going to get older and potentially more fragile. Like every realistic opportunity that that the Clippers have in front of them. You got to treat it like your last just because, you know, you never know what lies ahead. But you also, I think in their case, in similar ways, like the Lakers with LeBron and AD, you got to treat it like your last because that if they are healthy this season, you could say this is the only year it happens. The same way a lot of Laker fans are saying the 2020 title season, that's the only year you're going to get LeBron and AD healthy. And so I, I think there's a lot of similarities. I, I don't disagree. I, I think you're exactly right about the season-long ramifications of this. I was just talking about like the first three weeks. I just I I feel like if the Clippers are, and I, I'll be honest with you, Damian, I did not look at their schedule. I, I was not aware of like how no, easy I, I, the first ten games. Like the Lakers' first fifteen games are brutal. You know, take away you know the Portland game, which I don't think is a gimme because I don't think Portland is is that bad this year, um, and the two Utah games, um, like that is a brutal schedule that they have. And so I didn't look at you know exactly at what the Clippers have in front of them. I I agree with you. The season long ramifications for this are really intense for the Clippers. Everything Andy is saying is right. I'm just saying the 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 expectation that the, they will get more benefit of the doubt that they will be good if their stars are healthy than the Lakers will. And the, 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 the potential for toxicity around the Lakers with a two and seven start, which is very much on the table just because 
you know, three and six, three and whatever it is, just because of the strength of the schedule they're playing. I, the, the, it could be injected much faster than I think it would be with the Clips. That's all I'm getting at. And especially because of last season, you know, so right, exactly. And, and the way, you know, the, the way the last go, they made the playoffs twice in the last decade and they won a title in one of them and they were bounced quickly in the other one. You can talk about injuries, you can talk about it. The, the track record has been terrible. Um, who wins? Andy, I'll start with you. Yeah. Um, I think the Clippers are going to win. I just, this is not a good matchup for the Lakers. And I just think that the ability, the inability, I should say, to to have guys to counter Paul George and Kawhi Leonard without being so taxing on LeBron or without really asking AD to guard a couple guys at once. I just think beyond it being a tough schedule for the Lakers to open, I just think matchup-wise, this has been a very difficult one for the Lakers. I could see them playing better, though, while losing to the Clippers, but ultimately I think the Clippers are going to win. I hope they play better. Uh, Damien, what do you think? Uh, Darian. But, um, oh, I'm sorry, Darian. You're good, you're good. Don't worry about it. It takes time for people sometimes. But I think Clippers have to win. I'd be disappointed if the Clippers don't. After seeing the way the Lakers played on Wednesday and how amped up the Clipper players are in terms of knowing the opportunity in front of them. And Paul George has kind of reiterated what Andy was saying about you just don't know how many chances you're going to get. He said it himself, the window is closing. You have a player in their, you know, quote unquote prime saying that, then you know that you got to take advantage of this opportunity and they all know it. And that needs to start out with a win against the Lakers to make a little statement and get the season started on the right track. No reason they shouldn't win too much shooting, too much size and too much depth. I think ultimately you're going to say tomorrow that the Lakers supporting cast is just can't match up with these teams that are in title contention. I'm afraid Lakers fans, I'm not going to disagree with anybody here. Uh, <laughs> it's just no reason to. I mean, you pick the better team to win. It's not even like, you know, the Clippers have to travel that far to make it happen. I do think, Andy, they will play a little better. Yeah. I think the Lakers can shoot, you know, statistically yeah, speaking. I don't think they played that work. awful in the first half no, against the but, Warriors. But. but they, you know, the shooting, you know, is really, if they shoot like a regular bad team as opposed to a catastrophically bad team, uh, they stick in this one. But ultimately, I, I think the Clippers win. Um, Locked on Clippers is where you go to hear uh, Darian Vaziri, Dime Dropper on Twitter, Lakers fans, uh, Dime Dropper on YouTube. Uh, make sure to check out his podcast daily as you follow LA basketball all season long. Thanks, man, for doing this. It was really fun to uh, to meet you, and we'll do it again. Yes, sir. Looking forward to it.